Amen. You can have a seat. Good morning. Good morning. Glad that you're with us. Uh, my name is Ray. I'm one of the pastors here serving alongside you at New City. And uh, we're glad that you're here today. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be walking through. Oh, I forgot. Hold on. We're going to back up. First off, if you're on the inside of the aisle, all right, there is a clipboard right there. I, I forget every week. All right, there's a clipboard right there. And if you would, write your name on there. And what this does is just helps us know that you're here today, right? And if you uh, go for a couple weeks and you're not here, then we want to check up on you and just make sure everything is good and see where, where you are. And so if you would, just pass that down the aisle. And there's also another Connect card there if you... Um, for some reason, messed up on your other one inside your bulletin, all right? So, uh, but we're glad that you're here, and we are walking through this series through the book of Ephesians. Now, why the book of Ephesians, okay? We have 66 books in the Bible. Why would we choose Ephesians if we could choose from any? And here's what we're going to be looking at over these next couple weeks, all right? And what we're really going to be setting ourselves into is our identity, okay? Our identity, and where our identity is set, and what our identity looks like. All right, now Paul wrote this letter to this church in this city called Ephesus. Now the letter would start there, but then it was known as a circular letter, meaning that he would pass it, or the the people at Ephesus would read it, and then they would pass it to these other cities and churches around in the region for everybody to take in the information that Paul was writing to them. All right, so we're going to take this letter, and we're really just going to break it down and walk through it. Now, what you're going to find is that our campus is doing the book of Ephesians, Edgerton is doing the book of James, and then Shawnee is doing the book of Mark. And for the first time, we have an opportunity, if you will, as a campus to talk about something that is specific to our campus. All right, so that's why we're going to be going through the book of Ephesians. And so, as we begin to walk through this, all right, here's what I want you to see is that everything that he is saying to the people in Ephesus is true to us today. All right? It's true to us today. As followers and believers of Jesus, the same thing he is saying to the church at Ephesus can be applied to us today. You say, well, I'm not sure where I am in this whole God thing. I don't really know that I have a full relationship with him or anything like that. Well, guess what? Over these next couple weeks, you're going to have an awesome opportunity to hear what that begins to look like. All right? And what that looks like in the life of a believer and the life of a Christian. Now, again, our identity, okay? That's what we're going to be kind of looking at today. We're going to be uh, starting with just these little segments of verses. And then as we move through the book of Ephesians, we're going to gain larger chunks of information that we're going to be walking through, okay? So today, we're really only covering about three verses, all right? But as we go through the book, we're going to begin to kind of space that out of what we're walking over and talking over, okay? So this idea of identity, because here's the thing, this is where we need to be rooted. We need to be rooted in our identity, all right? Now, here's what I want you to see over these next couple weeks, all right? As we begin to talk through this, this is kind of my main goal. I'm giving you a heads up, all right? So here's my main goal, is that we see ourselves, okay? the way that God sees us, right? That we see ourselves in the way that God sees us. Because here's what happens when we allow that to happen, all right? We become firmly rooted in our identity. And we become rooted in our identity. We become rooted then in the promises of what God has for us and placed before us, all right? So here's the thing. When you meet somebody, typically what do you do, right? You say, hey, I'm 
Ray, and then they, you don't say Ray, but you know what I mean, right? You say your name, hey, how you doing? And then you have this awkward moment where you're maybe just like staring at each other, and then somebody usually goes, hey, what do you do? Right? Hey, what do you do? Because why? Because that is kind of a signal of our identity, right? So the thing that you do. So maybe we're a pharmacist. Maybe we're a teacher. Maybe we're a pastor, right? Maybe we're single. Maybe we're married. Maybe we're a mother. Maybe we're a father. Maybe we're thin. Maybe we're fat. Maybe we're pretty. Maybe we're ugly. Maybe we're a goober. Like, maybe we don't know, you know? Like, we're still trying to figure it out. But here's the thing. What happens when you are no longer one of those things that I just previously described? What happens when that goes away or happens overnight that that thing changes? Well, here's what happens. We find ourselves in a crisis. And we find ourselves in a crisis of belief and we find ourselves in an identity crisis. Now, here's the thing. I looked up the definition of an identity crisis, okay? I want you to know it's very encouraging. Okay, so here's an identity crisis. It's a period of uncertainty and confusion in which a person's sense of identity becomes insecure, typically due to a change in their expected aims. Man, those, again, those are encouraging words, right? Uncertainty, confusion, and insecure. Now, over the past couple weeks, we've been talking about in our parenting series how crazy this world is becoming, right? And those words that are up there are words that are ultimately, that's what our culture looks like, does it not? That's what our society is looking like. It is uncertain, it is a little confused, right? And it is a little bit insecure. But here's the thing. When we put our identity in Christ, that is something that cannot be shaken. Now, you may be sitting there this morning going, well, you know what? Those words can also describe me a little bit. Like, I'm in a place of a little bit of confusion. I'm in a place of maybe some insecurity. But here's the thing. All of this goes back to what our culture has set us up as. All right? So let me give you a couple examples. And, these, and there's more examples than the ones I'm going to give you, but here's one of them. 50 years ago this year, all right, our government decided that evolution was going to be the thing that we taught as how we got here, right? 50 years ago today. So evolutionary thought, whatever you think about that, that's up to you, but here's the thing. Evolutionary thought basically says that nothing and nothing came together and created something, right? And so for us, that gives us this idea that our purpose and meaning, uh, basically that we came from nothing and there, and there, there are nothing that we have and nothing to live for, and so therefore we are worth nothing and we have no purpose, Right? If we're hearing that over and over, then we're just here for a little bit of time. We're going to enjoy the time that we're here, and then it's over. So make the most of it. Right? But now, here in our current culture, we have this, this extreme, other extreme, where we ourselves are trying to build our own identity. Right? We ourselves are trying to build it. How are we trying to build it? By the things that people see on our social media. Right? I can create whoever I want to be, and that's who people are going to see. And so I can leave all my junk and my mess off the screen, and you're going to see the good things that are going on, the vacations I go on, and all these great things that are happening in my life. And so we hide all these things that are really causing the uncertainty, that are causing the confusion, and we just tuck those back. And we say, no, 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 life's good. Everything's great. Right? But you see those two extremes that we've now created. Now, I remember a time in my life when my identity was stripped. 
It was gone because for multiple years, in fact, all of my high school years and into college, I was going to be an architect. That was the thing that I was going to do. That's who I was going to be. And everything in high school pointed me towards that. Like instead of biology, I took physics. Instead of my senior year having like half a day off, I went to the local community college and took drafting classes and computer classes to learn how to do all of that. And I was going to be an architect. All the while, I had the Lord saying in my ear, no, no, you need to go into full-time ministry. Nope, I'm going to be an architect. That's what I'm going to do, right? And so I get to college, I'm going to be an architect, right? Everything about me was architecture. Like, you came in my room, there's posters on the wall of famous architecture. Like, you're looking on my desk, there's sketches of architecture. Like, it's all about architecture. And I get two years into architecture, and the Lord says, that's not what you're going to do. But that was my identity, and that's who I was. And he used a math class, of all things, engineering calculus. Some of you are like, that's a breeze. Well, it was a breeze, but you had to have a B in it to continue on in architecture, and I could not get a B. Now, D's for diploma and C's for career, right? But I couldn't get a B, (laughs) right? Couldn't get a B. And the Lord used that to say, this is where you stop. But for me, my identity overnight was taken. I was no longer an architect. It's not who I was going to become. And I came to this place of uncertainty and confusion and for a couple years even wandered about going, what am I going to do? This has been taken. Right? And I'll be honest with you, during that period of time, I was angry with, angry with God. Like, you've taken this away from me. But you know what? He's now brought me to where I am now. Right? Because in those couple years, he worked on my heart and on my mind and he said, look... I've got you. Your identity doesn't need to be found in architecture. Your identity needs to be found in me and who I am. Right? So, here's the thing. As we begin to walk through this, okay, I want you to understand something. Here's what happens. Is we have that identity that we have created or we're trying to create, but yet we have this maybe this idea that we are nothing, and then what happens is we bring that into the church. Right? We bring that into the church and then we become insecure and uncertain of what we are to look like and where our identity is. And so then that turns into now our church becomes insecure and unsure where we are. But if our identity is in Christ, then where is our church? It's in Christ. Right? It's set in Christ. So here's the thing. We cannot allow our identity and the identity of our church to be shaped by the world, but by how God looks at you And what he wants for you. Right? Because here's the awesome thing about our identity in Christ. It cannot be shaken. It cannot be moved. And it doesn't matter what everybody else says about you. Or even what you're saying about yourself. Because there is the truth of what God has said about you. Okay? So I know that's a lot. But here's where we're going to begin. Okay? In Ephesians chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. If not, it's going to be up on the screen. Okay? And we're going to be walking through this pretty much verse by verse this morning, okay? Even maybe a little bit word by word. So here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to stop right there. You're like, oh, great. Okay, at this rate, we're going to be like, in Ephesians when the Lord returns, right? But here's the thing, okay? We're, like I said, this week we're going really small, and then we're going to begin to stretch it out, okay? But here's the deal. 
There's something that I think we could easily glaze over and, and just not see in those first couple of verses. All right, here it is. To the faithful saints in Christ Jesus. Okay? Now, maybe you've heard somebody say this. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I ain't no saint. Right? Like, we look at a saint as someone who is set apart and completely different. But here's the thing. Yes, a saint is set apart and completely different. Different. So what is a saint set apart in? The saints that he's writing to here are the believers and followers of the way at that time, right? Followers of Jesus. That's who he's writing to. He's writing to the saints. So here's a couple things about a saint for those of you who are taking notes, if you are. Okay, here it is. A saint is a set apart one, all right? Separated one. And they're separated outwardly and inwardly, all right? Outwardly and inwardly. So outwardly by their action, and with their heart and their mind and their soul, okay? So as a Christian and as a faithful saint, we are separated and we are not like the others around us in our action. Now, here's how it looks inwardly, okay? We are cleansed inwardly. Now, we often think of a saint as like a high priest, right? Or a holy and righteous person. But here, Paul is talking about people who are set apart, set apart in these ways, from the guilt of sin, all right, as we just sang earlier, from what excludes him in the presence of God. All right, so the sin that excludes him from the presence of God. Because here's what Paul's going to say here in a minute in verse 7. He's going to say this, We have redemption in him through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the, right, or the riches of his grace that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. So here's the other thing that he sets us apart from. He sets us apart from the whole body pollution of sin. Right? The mind, the heart, the actions, and everything else. We are cleansed as a follower and believer of Christ. Now, here's the thing. Again, that I think we often skip over in this first verse, okay? Is that these remarks are to every believer. Right? They apply to the church of Ephesus. But they also apply to the saints worldwide and to the faithful now here today. So it applies to us. New City Church, Miriam. The things that he is about to say in these next scriptures and through this letter applies to us. But here's the thing, okay? You see, every Christian is a saint. Right? Every Christian is a saint. You say, well, you don't know what I've done in the past. No, you're a saint. You're set apart. Right? And you can't be a Christian without being a saint, and you can't be a saint without being a Christian. Right? You can't be set apart. And in such a way, you can't be set apart without being a Christian. I know that was a lot of set aparts and a lot of Christian, but that's true. Right? We cannot be set apart without Christ. So, how are we set apart? Again, externally by action and deed, and internally by our heart and our minds. Okay? So, we're set apart. We've established that. Right? Clear as mud. Okay, here we go. So, when we're set apart, we don't belong to the world. We're in it, but we're not a part of it. All right? So, a verse that we're going to kind of parallel with today that we're looking at is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Okay? And Paul is writing in this letter to the church at Corinth, the Corinthians. But he says this to them. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You see how you're now changed? You're now set apart, right? All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. So now there is a separation in your 
newness. When you're in relationship with Christ. And this newness is taking place in your mind and in your heart and in your outlook, in your conversations and in your actions. You are essentially a new person. A new person. Set apart. Separated from this world. Because Christ is in you. Now there's a a pastor by the name of D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was a Welsh pastor, all right, at the Westminster Chapel, and he had this quote that he said, Is it not true that the masses of men and women living around us, many of which are uncertain and confused, do not come to speak to us and ask us questions? They do not fly to us in their trouble because they feel that we are not any different from themselves that there is not anything that we would suggest that we are different, right? Because here's the thing, as Christians and as followers of Christ, are we not just as stressed? Are we not just as uncertain? Are we not just as confused? And are we not just as panicked because we ourselves are not resting in the identity that Christ Jesus has given us, right? And so what does, in fact, separate us from the world? What is it? Well, it's the fact that we have Christ, right? So, here's the awesome thing, all right? The awesome thing about Christ and the marvel of the Christian faith. It's this. So let's back up to what the city of Ephesus is. Paul's writing this letter to Ephesus, but he had been there before, okay? Back in Acts chapter 19, Paul shows up to Ephesus, And Ephesus is a grand city. Things are great, things are prosperous, but they are worshiping these handmade gods. All these handmade gods. And man, they are proud of their gods, right? And they are making all of these gods and they're putting them out. And then Paul shows up on the scene and here's these 12 guys who were disciples of John the Baptist. And they say, we're followers of the way, we're followers of Jesus, but they're still confused about what that looks like. And so imagine for a minute being being Paul. He steps into this city. Here there's 12 believers in this huge city, right? And they still don't know what they believe. And he's like, okay, what are we going to do with this? Like, what's this going to look like? But here's what happens, all right? Paul begins to preach the gospel truth, the good news, and we begin to see things happen. We see things begin to flourish, and we see that there is this change in the life of the people in Ephesus. And they are moving away from these handmade gods. And Paul decides, you know what, I need to stay here for a while. And he stays there for three years and he teaches them about Christ. Now, later on he would write them another letter, right? Reminding them, hey look, this is what I taught you. And that's now the book of Ephesians, right? But here's the thing, where did it begin? Where did all that change begin? It began with a man who stepped into a pagan city, right? But here's the thing about that man. He was set apart by his action, by his heart, and by his mind, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was different, right? Like the people in Ephesus are looking at him going, man, something is different about that guy. But what did Paul used to do? Paul used to persecute Christians, right? Paul used to kill Christians. He used to put them in a lockup, put them away, and now here he is stepping into a city and preaching about this Christ that he would kill people for before. 
But that's the power of God through the gospel. That's it. He can take the most hopeless and wretched of an individual and turn them into a saint and make them set apart and different. He can change their identity. He can change it. And he can complete it. But what makes him different, right? Like, what makes Paul different? He was in Christ. Right? He was in Christ. So, look here. He says there in verse 3, he says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Now, we saw that back in verse 1 as well. To the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. Because why? Because they're in Christ Jesus. Now, what did it say in that Corinthian verse? Let's go back to that. Sorry, Jake. We're going to be jumping all over. All right, so what does it say? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, right? He is a new creation and the old has passed away. So what's the link there? In Christ, right? In Christ. Now, this little phrase, in Christ, is a phrase that Paul really likes in his writing. He uses it quite a bit. In fact, if we just look at this first little chapter here, in verse 2, in Christ. Verse 3, blessed blessed us in Christ Jesus. Verse 4, chose us in him, him being Jesus. Verse 5, through Christ Jesus. Verse 7, redemption in him, him being Christ. Verse 10, in him. Verse 11, in him. Verse 13, in him. In Christ. That's where Paul was resting. And that's where Paul's identity was. In fact, 27 times in the book of Ephesians, he talks about in Christ, this, that, or the other. In Christ. 164 times in all of his other letters outside of Ephesians, he says, in Christ. That's where he's resting. And that's where he sits. Now, let's look at that verse again. Okay? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. But look at what he says in verse 18. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, not counting their sins against them, right? But he was reconciling them. And the reconciliation had been corrected. By what? By the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. In Christ. In Christ. Now, let's step to verse 3 again, okay? So praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. So look here. Does it say some of the spiritual blessings in heaven? Nope. It says all of the spiritual blessings blessings in heaven. So what does that look like? What makes this so great? Why would we be interested in being in Christ? Well, here's what he has for us. He has these spiritual gifts and these abilities that flow from us and flow from our life. But more importantly, we receive union with Christ, right? We are now in Christ. We are with Christ. And Paul writes this over in Romans. He says, so then brothers, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. Well, that's encouraging. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, if you become a new creation ultimately, right, you will live. And all those led by God's Spirit are God's 
sons. They are set apart. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, right? Like a praise to him. Thank you. But look here in verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, we are also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And seeing that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Man, so we are heirs of God the Father. Right? And we are co-heirs with Christ. That's why nobody here on earth can say anything about me because I have an unshakable father and I have an unshakable brother. They're both standing in front of me. You see, we receive these great blessings, right? We are co-heirs with Christ. We are brothers and sisters through Christ. So here's what happens within the church. We come together understanding that it doesn't matter how much money I make. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what color my skin is. It doesn't matter all of these different things because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we can lonk, lonk, link arms together and we can move forward. And we can go wherever Christ leads us. Why? Because we're in Christ. And if we're all in Christ, then we're all going to desire to go where he's going. You see how that works? And how that comes into play as we then move into, later on, the unity of the body, unity of the church. Because why? Because all of our hearts are in Christ. That's where our identity rests. It's where our identity sits. So look here. Who are you? right? You're not a teacher. You're not a doctor. That may be what you do, but you're not a customer service rep. You're not ugly. You're not worthless. You're not whatever this world is telling you that you are, and you're not whatever you tell yourself you are. But if you're in Christ, you're a co-heir with him. Co-heir, meaning everything he gets, you get, right? Everything he gets, you get. And again, it can fuel an amazing fire within us as a church. And I'm sorry to be so passionate about this, but here's the thing. Look, if we don't get this, if we don't find our identity in Christ, we don't have a relationship with Christ, then we're going to have a hard time as a church building and growing this church, building this body. Our identity must be rooted in Him. Now, I've got one little story that I hope will help to kind of nail this home of what I'm trying to say here, okay? So there was this fella, and he was rich, had all kinds of money, had all kinds of things, and he loved to collect art, right? He had all the great paintings. He had Picasso, he had Van Gogh, he had Raphael, he had all of those other ones that I don't know about, but he had all these great paintings. And he had a son, all right? And this son had to go away to war. And while he was at war, he was actually killed in battle, And what he was killed doing was helping to pull people out of this crossfire that was going on. And in pulling those people out, he himself, his life was taken. And so here's this kid now gone, right? And so dad gets news that his son has been killed and mourns over that for several weeks and months. But a couple months later, a young man shows up at his door and has a gift in his hand. And he says, sir, I, don't, I know that you don't know me, right? 
I know that you don't know me, but I was with your son the day he was killed. And I was in his platoon. And we used to talk about and share about your art collection and your love for art. And he said, sir, I am no Van Gogh, but I have painted a picture of your son as I remember it. And the dad takes it, and it's a perfect representation of his son. He says, thank you, and the guy goes on, and so he takes the picture in, and he hangs it up, pulls down a, probably a famous piece from above the mantle, and he sticks the, the image of his son. Well, a couple of years go by, and then the old man passes away, and there's this huge uh, auction, right, for all this art that this guy has collected. And all these people show up from museums, from all over the world, they show up at this man's house to see this collection. And the auctioneer says, all right, we're going to start with this picture right here. And it's that picture of the sun. It's that painting of the sun. And somebody grumbles in the back and goes, no, no, we want the good art, right? Like, give us the amazing art. They're like, no, we're going to start here. That's where we're going to start. He's like, $100. Anybody? $100? Room stays silent, right? Because this guy isn't famous. The guy that painted this isn't famous. And then a guy in the back raises his hand. says, I'll give you 20 bucks." And it's the gardener of the family. It's the gardener. He says, 20 bucks, that's all you can do? How about 25? We have a 25? How about a 30? 25? Room stays silent. He says, all right, $20. Going once, twice, sold. It's yours. Well, now everybody's excited, right? Because the good art's coming out. The good stuff's coming out. And so they're so fired up about it. But the auctioneer starts putting away his gavel. And he puts away his, or his, his book. Everybody's like, wait, what's going on? Well, here's the thing. There was a stipulation in the will that whoever took the son got all of it. Right? But that's what, that's what Paul's saying here. Look, you take the son. You take, you take Jesus Christ. You get all of it. You're a co-heir. You're a co-heir with Christ. And you are an heir of God the Father. And it's yours. But you've got to start with a relationship with Him. It's where it begins. Right? So as a church, let's set our identity in Christ as we begin to look at now how our body will grow from that and what that will look like. All right? So let me pray for us.